Health Matters with Karen Key. And a very good evening to you from this week's edition of Health Matters. On the show this evening, I'll be talking with Ken Ralston, MD of SkyMed, the distributors in South Africa of FlexiSec, and it's a medical breakthrough in the treatment of arthritis. And to give us their view on this breakthrough approach to treating osteoarthritis, we'll also be joined by Mike Boddy, CEO of the Arthritis Foundation of South Africa. Well, a lot of us spend a lot of time sitting at work and at home, and I'm sure we don't really think about how to sit properly. So I thought I'd chat this evening to Shireen Leishman. She's seating specialist for Dauphin Human Design Group, who specialise in ergonomic seating. Recently, a workshop was held to discuss the risk of venous thromboembolism, or blood clots, amongst combined hormonal contraceptive users. And to tell us more about this, I'm joined this evening by Dr. Peter Cole, and he's a specialist obstetrician and gynecologist at Parkland Clinic in Johannesburg. And then I'll be joined in studio by Rail Coping, a registered dietitian and CEO of Original Eating. And that's the food movement being championed by Professor Tim Noakes. Well, if you're a regular listener to my other shows on SAFM, you'll know that I always talk about the list of available documents for the Law Report program. Well, there's now a list of available documents for this show for Health Matters. Just go to the Facebook page, Health Matters on SAFM. And if you'd like any of them, post a message on Facebook. But please remember to include your email address so I can send them to you. And if you don't have access to Facebook, just drop me an email to healthmatters at safm.co.za and I'll send you the list so you can choose which of the documents you'd like to have. Well, that's the lineup for this evening. I do hope you'll stay with me and enjoy the show here on SAFM. Are you at wit's end with a colicky baby? Whatever you have heard or been told, there is definitely very effective treatment available for your baby. Just email babycolic911 at gmail.com. I repeat, email babycolic911 at gmail.com. Health Matters with Karen Key. Well, in South Africa, it's estimated that 3.2 million people suffer from osteoarthritis, the most common type and the most prevalent joint disease worldwide. Now, there's been a medical breakthrough in the treatment of arthritis, and to talk about this, I'm joined this evening by Ken Ralston, MD of SkyMed, the South African distributors of FlexiSec, and also by Mike Boddy, CEO of the Arthritis Foundation of South Africa. Ken and Mike, good evening. Welcome to the show. Good evening, Karen. Hi, Ken. Good evening, Hi, listeners. good evening, Karen. Nice to hear from you again, Mike. Hi. Well, I'm not Hi. quite sure who to start with because this is such exciting news. I think, Mike, let's start with you and just kind of understand, first of all, what we're dealing with when it comes to particularly osteoarthritis. Okay. Um, osteoarthritis is the most prevalent form of arthritis, as you just did, followed by probably rheumatoid arthritis and gout. Um, osteoarthritis is a wear and tear form of arthritis. Um, the cartilage in the lining of the joint over a period of time gets worn down, um, eventually resulting on bone contact, which is extremely painful. And um, up to now, there has really been uh, medication available to or or any treatment, um, effective treatment available that could um, yeah, stop the progression of osteoarthritis. We can't really stop the progression of osteoarthritis. Um, and now with the advent of um, of the product that Ken has bought overseas, yeah, um, we've been hearing pretty um, good comments of people that are using the product. 
So this is something that you are sort of agreeing with people using this because it's it's, it's a gel. It's not actually a medication, so there's no it's re- potential it's side effects. It's registered mm. as a device, for, as far as I understand. Um, it has been endorsed by the South African Arthritis and Rheumatological Association. In, in actual fact, the president of SARA, the South African Arthritis and Rheumatological Association, um, actually endorsed it um, by way of the, the August newspaper a few weeks ago. And it is on the front page of your website. If you go to Arthritis website, it's right there. Sorry, your line is breaking uh, as, up a bit. I said if you go to the Arthritis Foundation website, it's right there as well on the front yes, page. Yes, it is, yes. So yeah. if people are wanting to find out more about it. Now, Ken, this is very exciting. It's a gel, so it's not a medication. So there's none of these potential side effects that people could take from taking continual, possibly anti-inflammatory type medication. Yeah, that's correct. Um, it's, it really is, you know, a very interesting scientific breakthrough because... Um, basically, FlexSec lubricates your joints. Um, and, you know, it does this, you know, in a drug-free um, and, you know, very effective way. And, and basically, it's a new technology, uh, a new sort of nanotechnology, which um, allows phospholipids, which um, basically lubricate your cartilage to um, get through your skin um, the, the nanotechnology has made them ultra-deformable. So they work their way through the skin right down to the joints um, where they layer themselves on your cartilage and um, help to um, lubricate your cartilage. And, um, the, you know, so th- this is really the scientific breakthrough um, because previously you would have to inject uh, such lubrication you know, right into your joint, which is extremely painful and um, and difficult to do. So to put in a convenient gel onto your knee and to be able to get that lubrication where it's needed or any joint, um, you know, where, where it's needed um, and get the pain relief, you know, by your joint working as it's meant to work, you know, is, is really something quite uh, quite fantastic. Now, Mike, for something like this to be endorsed by the Arthritis Foundation, obviously they have to no, no, be... No, if I can correct you, we haven't endorsed it at all. Oh. We're looking at it, as I said, that SARA, the South African Arthritis and Rheumatological Association, which oh. is our professional body. Oh, right, okay. That, that, is, that is the professional body which consists of all of the rheumatologists. Okay, so with them having endorsed it then, they, I mean, they, and they would have obviously been looking at, at the clinical trials, and there have been a number of multi-centre controlled clinical trials with this product. Correct. Okay. Now, the other thing, Mike, just quickly about the, the using something like this, it's not people listening to this thinking it's going to cure osteoarthritis. That's not what this is about. It's to reduce the pain. Correct, yeah. And does it take the pain away completely or is it, does it just reduce it to a manageable well, level? Well, at this point, we're, we're watching with interest from the Arthritis Foundation's point of view. We're the lay arm of the um, South African Arthritis and Rheumatological Association. And we're watching with interest at this point in time um, yeah, to see what people have to say about the product. And I must say that, you know, we've, to date, we've, we've had pretty good feedback about the product. Um, many people have come back saying that um, their pain has been relieved to a large measure. Um, so to answer your question from that point of view, yes, um, to date we've been receiving responses that pain has been relieved.
Ken, just to get back to the product itself, you said it was a gel. Obviously, it just comes in a tube, and you just basically just squeeze it out and rub it on your on your joints that that are, are bothering you. Yeah, it's um, it's very important that you put it on correctly. Um, you you don't massage it heavily into your joints or anything. You you just apply it to your joints, and um, really this. Um, this technology is in a water-based gel, and as the water base uh, evaporates, um, the technology then seeks um, liquid and uh, and water and goes into your skin. And um, you know, then the first layer goes down, the second layer pushes uh, the first layer down, you know, right until it gets to where it's needed, um, you know, right within the joint in the cartilage. But as you mentioned a little bit earlier, you know, the very exciting uh, part about um, the product is that there have been very big, robust clinical trials done in over 4,000 patients. And um, it's seen uh, that from the baseline on these clinical trials um, that most people will get between a 40 to 50% reduction in pain from baseline um, within 2 to 14 days of, of using the product. So that's what the clinical trials have shown. And because it's just a physical mode of action, it doesn't go into your body or into your system at all. Um, there are no side effects. Um, I think in a small percentage of patients, there was a mild skin irritation. But there's absolutely no systemic side effects. So, you know, to get an equal efficacy to, um, to tablets, and um, to have it, you know, with a safe uh, product is is really, you know, quite a quite a step forward. And you talked about not massaging it, and I would imagine possibly advising people to apply it as if you were applying, for example, sunscreen, where you just rub it yes. on and that's it, and you leave it alone. You don't sort of rub it yep. in for sort of ten or fifteen minutes. You just rub it on and leave it. Yeah, it's it's very much like that, and you you must leave it to dry, and uh, rather not put it over you know, like the bony parts of your joints, like the kneecaps or anything like that. You want it, you, you want to picture it sort of penetrating through through your skin down to the joint. And how often a day would you need to do this, Ken? You'd need to apply it in the morning and in the evening. And you, you mentioned sort of 2 to 14 days you would hopefully see some improvement in your pain levels. And is this something that would improve as time goes by, as, you know, sort of if it's sort of a little bit better sort of in two or three days, the next couple of weeks it could get a little bit more better, if you know, this is a very bad English, but you know what I mean, yeah, no, continuing no, to you, get better? You're hitting the nail on the head. Um, you, you're absolutely right. Um, we, we normally get some pain relief within two days, um, but within five days we're getting much better pain relief. As you can imagine, you know, with the more of these vesicles layering your your cartilage, the better it is. But um, generally, you know, that's that's where it it does level off. Uh, you know, it it doesn't get better month after month. It, it's you know, it, it gets to peak within sort of five to fourteen days. And is this something that you can use continually? There's no sort of time limit. Yeah. Well, after sort of a few months, you have to stop for a bit, or you can just carry on using it. No, you can you can just carry on using it absolutely, and you can use it with tablets or other medication there you know there are no drug interactions or anything like that so it's it's completely safe to use with whatever you're taking
Mike, this is rather an exciting development in the world of arthritis and, and in particular osteoarthritis at this point. Um, did you see this coming? I mean, are we looking at, at more, more sort of amazing things coming in the future? Well, there have been many innovations with regard to arthritis in general mm. over the last six to ten years. Well, the biologics, in, I think, in, specifically. Yeah, yeah. biologics with, with rheumatoid mm. arthritis, ankylosing spondylitis. Biologics are basically described almost as miracle drugs. Um, many patients have been brought to almost the point of, um, what would the word be? Um, well, they, they live a totally brand new life, mm, um, a, a, a pain-free life. Um, and in many instances, joint society again as 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 useful citizens, whereas they might have been facing a future uh, in a wheelchair. So yes, there have been many innovations over the last few years, and what has been sorely lacking is innovations in the field of osteoarthritis. And we're very excited about this innovation. Um, the Flexisec has been compared with the efficacy of a celecoxib, which is an NSAID or a non-steroidal anti-inflammatory drug. And <clears throat> many NSAIDs do have side effects. Um, and the exciting thing about this particular gel is, as Ken was saying earlier on, it, it doesn't have any side effects at all. Um, and in very few cases, as Ken was saying, yeah, perhaps a minor skin irritation. So from our point of view, it's brilliant. Gosh, Ken, I was actually reading some information that uh, the company is at Pro, Pro Bono Bio, is it called? Yes, there, there's possibly launching some new, two further new products coming for inflammatory skin disorders, hopefully coming relatively soon. Yes, um, I, I believe that, um, you know, they, they're in clinical development, so they're doing clinical trials on these. I think they've got one for um, psoriasis and one for um, eczema and dermatitis. So, you know, that'll, that'll also be very exciting. And then, you know, a lot of ladies that I've spoken to have also said, well, you know, can't you do something for the skin also? But um, I haven't heard the development there yet. But, um, yeah, this is great for, for the joints at the moment. Gosh, it sounds absolutely amazing. And I know we, we've done programs on arthritis in the past, and I've had, you know, people sort of phoning in and saying, what can we do? And, they, you know, because they've either had an issue with some of the anti-inflammatories they're taking or they're having side effects yeah. from it, and what else can we do? Well, I've, I actually kept a number of those emails from people who had emailed me and said, please listen tonight because you might be pleasantly surprised, um, you know, at, at what we now are going to be telling you about. So this is really fantastic news, and I have to thank both of you very much indeed for joining me to tell me more about this. And um, just one last thing before we go, Ken, where is it available? Well, you know, it's... Um, it's you don't need a prescription for this, basically. Yeah, it's, we, we've actually really struggled to make it well available at the moment. It's um, available in Discams, um, and it's starting to become available at independent pharmacies. But we've had just such a massive uptake on it, um, you know, that we, we might even run out of stock. Oh, no, don't we, do that. <laughs> and, and we, I know, which is just terrible after, you know, we've spoken about it, um, that, um, you know, we, we've got a reorder on the way, and, you know, I'm hoping that, you know, all these holidays that we're having oh, won't, yes. won't hold it up. But there is a, a bit of a danger of that. But I think it will be freely available in pharmacies um, you know, within the next month. And you don't need a prescription for this? You don't need a prescription for it. It's, yeah. It's and, Mike, the 
other thing, people can actually go onto the Arthritis Foundation's website, and you can can you order it through you? Yes, you can. Yes. Okay. So can I can I perhaps give you a number which you can contact or the listeners could contact us on? Sure, absolutely. Okay, there too. During business hours, it would be zero two one. Right. Four. Well, you broke up there, Mike. Sorry. Four. Uh, yeah, zero two one four two five. Right. Two three double four. Okay, so I'll give out the number again. So if people want to c- contact you during business hours, um, you know they can do that and they can find out more about that as well. But I will give out all the other the websites and that now if people want to go and have a look. But Ken and Mike, thank you both very much indeed for joining me this evening and telling us about this amazing breakthrough. Thank you. I'm sure there are lots of people out there literally on their way to the chemist now. Um, not, not open at the moment, but probably going to be standing outside the door tomorrow and saying, give me a tube of that stuff because it sounds amazing. So thank you so much for telling us about that. Thank you, Corinne. Thank Thank you both. Thanks a lot. Good night to you. Bye-bye. I was chatting there with Mike Boddy, and he's the CEO of the Arthritis Foundation of South Africa, and also to Ken Rolston, and he's the MD of SkyMed, and they are the South African distributors of FlexiSec. Now, you spell that F-L-E-X-I-S-E-Q, FlexiSec. And if you want to find out more, they do have a website. It's www.flexisec.co.za. You can also order it directly through the Arthritis Foundation, which is www.arthritis.org.za. Or you can call the Arthritis Foundation during the day or during business hours on 021-425-2344. 021-425-2344. And if you've missed any of those contact details or if you can't quite remember how to spell FlexiSec, just drop me a mail, healthmatters at safm.co.za, and I'll send you all that information so you can pop off and get some if you need to. Health Matters with Karen Key. Well, the average person sits for 13 hours a day, which our spines were not really designed to handle. Now, international reports reveal that back pain is the most common reason for absenteeism in the workplace. Well, to give us some tips on healthy seating and how we can help ourselves by sitting properly, I'm joined this evening by Shireen Leishman, and she's a seating specialist for Dauphin Human Design Group. Shireen, good evening. Welcome to the show. Thank you very much, Karen. It's lovely to be on the show. Now, we do have a problem. I mean, I, I, when I was sort of setting up this interview, chatting to somebody, and I, I said, to you know, I'm talking to you, and I'm trying to sit up straighter because I could see myself slouching around in my chair at my computer. Yes. We do all do that. Yes, we certainly do. And, you know, those kind of habits we've actually um, have had for many years, going back to even in our school days where we would be seated at our, our school days, crunched over our homework um, so those kind of habits are very, very hard to break. Um, and I think companies are becoming more conscious of the fact now that a lot of absenteeism is due to backache, um, which is caused from incorrect seating. So the, the need for a proper ergonomic chair is no longer a luxury item. It's now becoming a necessity item. So it's not only just about the chair, though. We have to sit Correct. properly in the chair. That's the other thing. Correct. It's so, over- it's, it's all really related to ergonomics. Um, you know, your, your chair that you're sitting on is the only thing that's um, having permanent contact with your, with your body 24-7 in your, in your workstation. But it's the ergonomics in your, in your environment as well, how you're staring at your computer, the lighting, the air in the room that you're working in is all related to, um, you know, your health and your wellness in, in your office environment. But I think because you're seating um, the office chair that you're sitting on is the only thing that's really connected to your body all the time. That is where the good ergonomic practice starts. 
Oh, you know, I've, I've tried sitting in one of those. I don't know if you remember back in the day, they, they probably still use them, those chairs where you sort of half kneeled on them. Oh, yes. And the I'm sorry, chair. I've tried to sit on what They are the most uncomfortable things in my view, personal yes. view. Yes. And I, I worked with somebody who said it was the best thing he ever had and loved this thing. And I could not use it. It was, the for me, the most uncomfortable thing ever. Yes, I can completely understand that. I think, um, you know, the concept of the kneeling chair just allows you to basically sit up straight, but mm. without any back support. Um, and ergonomic chairs today have to be adjusted accordingly to each user. So it's almost like custom um, adjustment because we're all different weights and heights. There are levers that allow you to adjust ergonomic office seating to support your backrest, to allow it to be adjusted to a certain height so that your thighs are parallel to the floor um, and that you are sitting at a 90-degree angle as opposed to what most people like to do is lean back as far as they can, thinking that is the most comfortable position. Um, but your 90-degree angle is the most important adjustment that you need to make to make sure that your spine is straight up. All ergonomic chairs nowadays are made that way, um, certainly the Dauphin products are, um, which allow each user to adjust each chair individually to suit their own body requirements because we are certainly all built differently. Now, I read something about practicing active dynamic sitting. I thought we just sat. How can we practice active dynamic sitting? Okay, I what think is the, the concept around active dynamic seating is because we spend more time in front of computers than ever before, we're not as active as we are in our workstations as we should be. So active dynamic seating is, is an ergonomic office chair that allows you to unlock or lock the backrest in a passive or active position. So unlocking the backrest allows you to recline the backrest so it gives you more freedom of movement within your workstation whilst still supporting your backrest. Because we still uh, we spend so much time now in front of computers, you need to allow to have more movement within your workstation, which obviously then um, you know allows for better circulation, more oxygen going to the brain, and thus more pro- productivity. I think sometimes when you when you go into companies, the last thing that they are really concerned about are the the seating arrangements for their staff. I mean, it's probably one of the last things that they even consider. It's quite interesting you say that, Karen, because I would say probably 15, 20 years ago, the main focus was on the desk. Um, and now I would say most companies that we deal with um, as Dauphin Human Design Group, we are being called in to focus mainly on the seating of the staff. Because That's great so news. Yes, because so many staff members are taking off, um, you know, sick days due to headaches, neck injuries, um, you know, any kind of, of back pain that they have, and it's all related to spending so much time seated in the in the office chair. So if the if the companies can get that right, and that their staff are well and happy within their workstation seated in an ergonomic chair, the time taken off um, from from working hours is far less. I need to ask you about something. I sure. think it's the Dauphin office. It's called the X-Code office chair. Correct. Which just sounds like the most phenomenal thing. I mean, it it's is. designed with antibacterial coatings yes. and fabric. We're I love very, this part. excited that, about that. Yeah. It's actually being launched this weekend. Tell, can you tell me about um, that a little bit? Yes. Um, I think the most exciting thing about it, which uh, in terms of innovation, is that the, the armrests are... Um, have a technical aspect to it where built into the coating of the armrest pad is a substance called microsilver. So effectively, just you can't really see it with the naked eye, but the more you actually um, come into contact with the armrest, the more the microsilver's uh, content 
um, sort of add an antibacterial um, feature to it so that you have less germs on your armrests of your chair. Um, and I hate to say it, but it's quite true that the studies have shown that there's more germs on the armrests of your chair than there are in toilets. Which I is read that, scary. and it totally freaked <laughs> me out. No, no, I'm about yes. to start wearing jackets to work with long sleeves. Yes, it's yeah. quite interesting. So the Xcode that has, has recently been launched by Dauphin in Germany and will be launched this weekend um, in South Africa has that microsilver content into, in, built into the armrest of the chair, which is quite unique to the Dauphin brand. And, and I also read about the fabric. Apparently, Acts like Correct. a second skin. What, what is Correct. that doing? Um, the fabric that is used for the Xcode is a seamless fabric which is stretched over the backrest. So it is like a second skin um, and is, is made from a material that they use for for trainers like um, um, sports shoes. Oh, right. So it also gives you that breathability as well. And I think especially in the South African climate, we need that more than anything else. Mm. But it also then forms the shape of your body as well while supporting your body at the same time. So it is almost like a second skin, which is quite unique to the X-code of the Dauphin range. So basically what you're telling me here, Shireen, is that a chair is not just a chair anymore. A chair is certainly <laughs> not just a chair. You know, as I said earlier, it is an extension of your body. Mm. You, you spend 80,000 hours of your lifetime in your office chair alone. Um, so the question people should be asking themselves is how are they sitting? You know, what bad habits can be changed to take them through to their 60s and 70s with a healthy posture? Gosh, well, I've got some information here on on the on top ten the top ten tips for sitting properly. Yes. Um, which, if people are wanting, uh, if they, would you mind if I gave those out to them? I, sure, I do have absolutely a list. Absolutely, no problem. Well, if they're wanting those top ten tips of how to sit correctly and to hopefully improve your posture as well as reducing your backache and your headaches, because I'm sure you get headaches from sitting strangely as well. Yes, you absolutely do. And I think the most common problem of that is your laptop. Um, you know, if you're not staring yes. straight mm. onto your computer screen, that, that headache can be there almost instantly. And you've got that sort of angled neck all the time Correct. looking down at your laptop. Um, and yes. that can give you a fierce headache, a really fierce Correct. headache. So, gosh, there's a lot more to just sitting in your chair. There absolutely is. Um, you know, as you said, there are 10 healthy seating tips that, that mm. everybody should adhere to. Um, there's also a 60-second chair test, which is on our website, which is great that people can look into that as well. Um, but, yeah, it's something we need to consciously do every every morning when we get to work is just to do a little uh, spot check on how we are sitting. The other thing that you recommend as well is to do regular exercise at your workplace. Yes, that's also very hard, um, you know, because it's it's something you constantly got to be aware of. Um, you know, you need to allow for freedom of movement. It's the same thing as if you're taking a long trip on an airplane. Um, and that is why ergonomic office seating chairs do have the um, technical feature to unlock and lock your backrest so that you can get that freedom of movement and do exercises within your workstation. Now, we're, not, we're not telling you to sort of stand up and do jumping jacks. But, you know, <laughs> you know, move no, your feet and, no. and move your legs and just don't sit yes. still all the time, you know. Yes, yeah. Was now, that? we have seen that in call centres, especially the very late night shift, and it, it does work. But, yeah, there's definitely a lot of exercises that you can do seated in your workstation. Uh, which can be obtained also from our website as well. So it's definitely, a, I'll give out that address. It's Dauphin, D-A-U-P-H-I-N, dauphin.co.za. And all of that fabulous information will be on there. And uh, you'll have a very happy boss by the end of this because you won't be taking time off because you've got a headache or your back is sore. Yes, so. that is absolutely <laughs> true. And then, kind just one more thing as mm. well. We do have a range that's endorsed by the Ergonomic Society of South Africa. Oh, and right. I think that's quite important. Um 
um, because it's the first product that have, has ever been endorsed by, by ESSA, which is the Ergonomic Society of South Africa. Um, and it is also a fully recyclable chair as well, which I think is becoming quite important oh, in like the South African market. Mm. Yeah. So that can also then be um, you know, obtained the information on the ESSA website as well. I really like the sound personally of that Xcode office chair. Yes, I think that that, that really appeals to me with yes. the antibacterial armrests and the, the fabric that acts like a second skin. I mean, it just sounds... Would that one also have all the adjustable back bits and everything yes, else? It so does. It certainly does. It has your, your height adjustment, the adjustment for your weight because you're all different weights as well. It has a seat slide because the length of our thighs are all different as well. Um, so the last different users more more space to sit on within the chair as well. Oh no, this sounds like the, I don't know if I'll be doing any work if I got one of those chairs. I'll be enjoying <laughs> the chair too much. <laughs> that is true, but you'll probably find you want to work more. Oh, you think I want to stay in the chair longer? That's Absolutely. actually not a bad idea. That's actually Absolutely. quite a good point. Yeah, I'll do a lot more work because I want to get out of the chair. Yes, there you go. Exactly. Oh, you've got a, there's a method in your madness here, obviously, Shireen. But it's a working recipe, of course. It sounds fantastic. Well, thank you so much for your time this evening. It sounds amazing. And thank you for all the tips. Hopefully, we'll have a lot of people sitting better at Wonderful. work. And I'll give out that website again so they can go and have a look exactly how they should be sitting at work. Wonderful. So thank you so thank much you for your so time. Much. Thanks, Shireen. Okay, Thanks. Thank you. Good Bye-bye. night. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Shireen Lashman is a seating specialist for Dauphin Human Design Group. And for more information... And all those tips she was talking about, you can take a look at the website. It's www.dauphin.co.za and Dauphin is D-A-U-P-H-I-N, dauphin.co.za. Health Matters with Karen Key. Well, a workshop was held in Cape Town recently to discuss the risk of venous thromboembolism or blood clots amongst combined hormonal contraceptive users. Well, to talk us through this, I'm joined this evening by Dr. Peter Cole, and he's a specialist obstetrician and gynecologist at Parkland Clinic in Johannesburg. Dr. Cole, welcome to the show again. You're becoming a regular guest on the show. Thanks very much. It's a pleasure to be here. Santon Clinic, by the way. Oh, sorry, Santon Clinic. I do apologise. Um, just uh, this is actually—is this not something new, though? This the link between uh, blood clots and uh, contraceptive medication or contraceptive pulls, if you like, or patches no, or whatever. No, you know the the pull is soon after the pull was first introduced. They realised that there was a link between thromboembolism and combined oral contraception. In fact any estrogen-containing uh, product, there is a, a link between thrombosis and, and estrogen. There's no doubt about it. So this um, workshop that was held, what came out? There were a lot of international speakers at the workshop. Yeah, there were a couple of in- international speakers, an epidemiologist and a professor from Chicago. Um, and it was very interesting. The, the workshop was intended to try and comb out and define exactly what the risks are. Um, one of the original, um, or about 40 years ago, probably the most commonly used progesterone in Nepal um, was levonorgestrel. And um, the patient acceptance of levonorgestrel containing pills was new progesterones what oral contraceptives contain. Um, Oral contraceptives, a combined oral contraceptive pill contains an estrogen and a progesterone. And the combination of the estrogen and progesterone gives very good cycle control and very good um, uh, very good contraceptive efficacy. Now, 
the problem with the older progesterones was patient tolerance. A large percentage of people simply couldn't tolerate the older progesterones. And that was the reason for the development of the newer progesterones. Now, the first pull scare that we saw was about in 95, when they, um, a, a new progesterone was introduced, and suddenly people thought there was an increased incidence of thromboembolism. Careful analysis of the statistics showed that, in fact, there wasn't that they were comparing older data with newer data. Now, recently, we're starting to see another scare developing, subsequent to an article in British Medical Journal, but yet again, um, the risks of the newer progesterones we were taking data from 2000 and comparing it with data from, 19, from the 1970s. And, you know, the diagnostic criteria for deep vein thrombosis in the 70s was very different um, to the th- diagnostic criteria for thrombosis in 2001. And once we combed out the statistics and tried to compare apples with apples, the newer progesterones do not seem to have any higher risk of thromboembolism than the older progesterones. Is this something that women should be routinely screened for prior to starting on hormone on on a sort of a, a pill? Um, no, we we um, you know it's been a debate that's gone on for ages. There are certain genetic um, uh, uh, certain genes that predispose people to thromboembolism. They they fortunately fairly rare, and um, it's not effective to try and screen entire populations prior to putting them onto oral contraception. There are certain people who should not be on combined oral contraception or who should be screened prior to being put on oral contraception. For example, somebody who's had a deep vein thrombosis um, is not a good candidate to go on on a combined oral contraceptive, and one would look at alternatives like the progesterone-only contraceptives. And there's quite a few progesterone-only contraceptives that are effective um, and are suitable for people who have had a thrombosis. The other group of people are people who have got a strong family history of thromboembolism. That group should be screened prior to being put on oral contraceptives. So this is something that we need to be aware of. It's, it's, there are certain risk factors for this, but it's not that if you take it, this is going to happen to you. No, definitely not. In fact, I think one should actually quantitate the risk. The risk of anybody who's not on an oral contraceptive suffering from a deep vein thrombosis is approximately 1 in 10,000. Now, on the pull, that risk goes up to two to three in 10,000. So the risk is still very, very low. You know, um, if a risk of, uh, if you take a small risk and double it, it's still a small risk. So the risk, although when one looks at it, it looks like it's doubled or even possibly trebled because the risk is so small to start off with. And the risk can be minimized by selecting women who should not be on the oral contraceptive. The risk remains very, very low. And one must balance any medication that one takes. You have to balance benefit against risk. The risk of thromboembolism during pregnancy is much, much higher. And in fact, the pull scare that occurred mainly in the United Kingdom in 95 Hundreds of thousands of women stopped taking the pill because of the scare. And in fact, in that group, more thromboembolism occurred due to pregnancy and complications of pregnancy. 
gosh, okay. And so this, one has to balance yeah. the benefits. And the benefits of oral contraceptives are huge. And I think one must bear in mind that, you know, any drug, my first lecture ever in pharmacology, um, the professor of pharmacology stood up, put on a picture of a, one of these big swords like you see in Game of Thrones, and said pharmacology is a double-edged sword. You have the potential to do massive good, but there is also potential to do harm and always, ben- ben- you know, always balance benefit against risk. And I think those words of wisdom must be kept in mind. The oral contraceptives are amongst the, face, the safest class of drugs that we deal with. And this would, what we're talking about now would also be if we can also affect things like the patch and the injection, would it be the same risk as well? As no, the, the, the patch is the same because the patches are combined. So one should talk about progesterone only contraception and combined oral contraception, uh, combined contraception, combined hormonal contraception. So the pill is the best known combined hormonal contraceptive. But the ring, the vaginal ring that's inserted is also combined oral contraceptive and the patch is also combined oral contraceptive. So the risks remain of thromboembolism in all of those groups um, is pretty much the same. The progesterone only contraceptives are the injection, the implant, implanon, which has recently been introduced into South Africa, and the intrauterine contraceptive device called Mirena that secretes small doses of progesterone into the bloodstream. So the progesterone progesterone on its own has never been associated with thromboembolism. It's the estrogen that seems to be the culprit in in causing thrombosis. Is there anything that if we are on a contraceptive or a combined hormonal contraceptive, we should be looking out for possibly as warning signs that there could be something wrong? I think a very important point. Um, If, uh, you know, if you experience the early signs of of deep vein thrombosis is pain in the cough, swelling of the cough, redness of the cough. And I think if any of those occur, it's such a simple non-invasive investigation to check. They just have to do a a, a type of sonar called a Doppler study of the the veins in the leg and they can immediately exclude it. Um, Remember, we are talking about the incidence of thromboembolism. Only about one in a um, hundred cases of thromboembolism does the, pay, does the person actually die. So when we talk about a risk of one in 10,000, um, that becomes a risk of almost one in a million of dying in the general population and maybe three in a million of people um, on, an, on a contraceptive. So it's, it's really just a case of being aware of what you're taking and what possibly there could be problems with. And if you do notice a problem, it's a case of don't leave it. Make sure you get to your doctor as soon as you can. Make sure, and also that, make sure you get to the doctor, have it checked out, and also be aware that there are certain women who should not be on combined hormonal contraceptives. And we need, they need to be identified and told. So if anybody has a strong family history of that's listening to the show that has a strong family history of thrombosis, I would suggest that they, and they're on the oral contraceptive, I would suggest that they contact their doctor and get screened, um, you know, and get, to minimize the risk. The other important point I think that should be mentioned is that the risk is highest initially. 
and then it drops off drastically. So your risk is high, um, is higher in the first few months on the contraceptive. Once you've been on it for a year, your risk and everything has gone well, your risk of having a thrombosis becomes very, very low. So I think people who've been on the pill for a long time, more than a year, certainly shouldn't panic about the risk of thromboembolism. Is there a problem if somebody has been on the pill for quite a long time? Does no, that, doesn't it, increase the, your the risk, risk at all. No, it doesn't. The risk is highest initially, and that's why this whole fallacy of taking a pill holiday or a break mm. from the pill, um, one shouldn't do that. If you're on the pill, the only reason you should stop is if you're using another form of contraception or if you want to fall pregnant. Yeah, because if you take a pull holiday, you will be falling pregnant, um, you know. So. Absolutely. And the risk, remember, the risk of thromboembolism during pregnancy is much, much higher than taking a contraceptive. And the risk in the um, immediate postpartum period is massive compared to taking an oral contraceptive. Well, you're just about enough to put us all off having babies at this point. <laughs> <laughs> One certainly hopes not. You right. know, we monitor it carefully, but um, uh, during pregnancy, and again, um, it's important to identify those people who are at risk of thromboembolism, and more and more we are identifying them, and when they do fall pregnant, um, we treat them and prophylactically with, with blood thinning agents to, to prevent thromboembolism. So the, basically the bottom line is here, there's no need to panic. Um, this is something that is there, but it's not in exorbitant numbers. It's it's something that comes and goes as, a, in inverted commas, a scare situation, as you mentioned. Yes. Um, but it's nothing, you know, if you are taking the pull, um, you know, as we said, just be aware. If there are any problems, if you are feeling something isn't quite right, make sure you get to the doctor, but don't suddenly stop taking it now. Absolutely. Don't stop taking it because of some report of a scare, uh, because of, as I said earlier, faulty data. Mm. So it is something to be aware of. It's not something to ignore. Just, just as I always talk about on the show, you need to be responsible when it comes to your health. So if you are feeling that something isn't quite right, rather go and see the doctor and make, you know, put your own mind at rest. And if there is a problem, then you can get it sorted out. Early detection, as we say on here on the show, is always the best thing. Absolutely. I couldn't agree with you more. Dr. Cole, once again, thank you so much for your time. Thank you for joining us on the show this evening. It's always a pleasure. Thank you so much. Dr. Peter Cole is a specialist obstetrician and gynecologist at Santon Clinic in Johannesburg. Health Matters with Karen Key. Original eating is the official name of the food movement being championed by Professor Tim Noakes. Now, you've probably heard about this over the last few months, and now you can find out all you need to know on his new website, which offers news, information, as well as a personal diet app. And it's free, apparently. And to tell us more, I'm joined in studio this evening by Rail Coping, and he's a registered dietitian and CEO of Original Eating. Rail, good evening. Welcome to the show. Thank you, Corin. Excited to be here. This has been quite a, a journey because over the last few months, the sort of the story broke, and there's been a lot of um, pro Dr. Noakes, uh, Professor Noakes's theories, and a lot of anti Professor Noakes's theories, and I think he's doing a chat at the Literary Festival um, in Franschhoek coming up quite soon. Um, so it's been quite a roller coaster with this whole new way of eating. Absolutely, it's absolutely the frontier of nutrition right now, 
and very, very exciting space to be. So let's just talk about what it is if for, for those people who possibly were living under a rock and haven't heard about this because <laughs> it's been everywhere. Yeah. It's the, the, the high-fat, low-protein. Have I got Quite that right? right. It's a high which, fat which is a completely revolutionary way of eating. Well, it's been around for a while under, under different uh, forms. So I think that is, that is a very important point to make. It has been well-researched. It's been well-studied. It's not a new thing that Professor Noakes has just mm. dreamed up. So there's quite a volume of literature on which his views are, are based, and, and, and it's very substantiated. But he is the person with a profile to popularize it and bring the benefits forward to, obviously, to the, to the lay public who have obviously been, um, well, not, not quite been made aware of, of the possibilities in the past. Now, with, with the diets that people might know to link to something like this, was it the Atkins, the Banting, those sorts of diets were along similar lines to this? Exactly right. Atkins okay. would probably be the, the closest mm. uh, diet to this, quite right. So just go into the basics of what is original eating. Tell me about original eating. Okay, original eating is an umbrella term and the official name of the diet which Professor Noakes is promoting. So it's been previously called the Noakes diet, the Banting diet, or this diet. So the official term is the original eating diet. And the aim of the diet is to address metabolic syndrome, which is a scourge, which is a, a pandemic at the moment in most of the developing and developed world. So metabolic syndrome, for people who haven't uh, heard about it before, it's a cluster of five different symptoms which occur together. If you've got any three of these symptoms, then you can be diagnosed as having metabolic syndrome. So one would be weight gain, specifically on the upper body, the traditional pear-shaped weight gain. Two is dysglycemia. In other words, poor sugar control. It might be high sugar control or low or dips in blood sugar. The third one is hypertriglyceridemia. When you have your blood lipids checked, your blood fats checked, when your cholesterol, one of those fractions which is checked is called triglyceride. If your triglycerides are high, it's one of the components of metabolic syndrome. High blood pressure is another one. And then uh, dyslipidemia, which is changes in your cholesterol profile. So if you've got three of those five um, signs and symptoms, then you can be said to have um, metabolic syndrome. And why it's of, of such importance is because metabolic syndrome, the risks of heart disease, diabetes, and stroke are much, much higher with, in people suffering with, with uh, metabolic syndrome. So the idea behind original eating is specifically to target and uh, combat that huge scourge of modern society. Now, people have heard about this original eating or about Professor Noakes and this new diet now that's been around now. Well, we've all heard about it recently. Mm. Um, I think what scares a lot of people, especially when you talk about if you have cholesterol issues, mm. you should possibly consider this, except that you're telling us to go and eat high fat. And when people are diagnosed with high cholesterol, the first thing the doctor says is, cut out all the fat, don't eat any fat. Mm. So how does this work then? That's, are you not going to suddenly have a screamingly high cholesterol reading? You know, the, what you're saying is exactly what we were taught at, at medical school, and we just accepted that lock, stock, and barrel. And what we're seeing now practically is people are getting very, very different responses to that, which we would originally have uh, have expected. So we've got people, and the, and the result, I must say, is highly variable. So I would suggest to anybody who's going to embark on this, don't do it alone. If you have got a high cholesterol level, please do it in association with your GP or be properly monitored in the process. But what we're finding is many people after two to three months on a high-fat diet have actually got much lower cholesterol levels and much more favorable profiles than what they had when they started. So I'm not saying that's for everybody. It's not a blanket rule. But we are getting a huge amount of very successful stories from people who have monitored themselves or have been monitored for a period of a number of months and the cholesterol levels settle down. So initially, yes, it might come up a little bit initially. And sometimes it might even stay up, but, but usually because your good cholesterol fraction has increased. So one can't just look at total cholesterol and and be too, um, too, too concerned about it. Uh, you need to leave it for a couple of months and let it just settle into a nice... Into a nice uh, um, 
routine, you know? But this is, as you mentioned, something that you shouldn't just suddenly go off and do by yourself, especially if you have any of these medical conditions. It's Always right. consult your doctor, your dietitian, or some someone in medically trained that can help you with this and can monitor your progress. Definitely. So specifically, if there's a family history of heart disease, irrespective of what your cholesterol level is, if there's a family history, I think that would be the, the biggest concern in, in uh, not in doing this, but in anything, just to be properly monitored. I was listening to a very interesting, um, I think it was Dr. Noakes, Professor Noakes was talking about it, actually, mm. um, when it came to for high performance athletes, for example, mm. and and always doing the carbo loading thing, yes, and and it wasn't really working for them. And at, at some point, they were training and training and training, and they actually just weren't getting there, you know. Mm. Um, at, and, and now they're sort of not doing the whole carbo. He's not promoting the whole carbo loading thing for, high, you know, for doing sort of high endurance things yes, yes. anymore. It's, it's very, very different. Well, it's called fat adaptation. Now, the, the limitation is in terms of your body stores, you can only store about a cup of sugar perhaps two cups in, in, in larger people. And if you're doing high-volume exercise, you will probably start burning off that reserve within about two hours. So people doing these ultra-distance ultra, ultra distance events, ultra-endurance events, are going to start running out of that sugar, and then they need to start replacing it with you know with, with oral sources, be they drinks or bars or, or things like that. But you can't really replenish that sugar quickly enough. If you've got your body adapted to burning fats, your fats don't run out and you can keep running for a much, much longer period of time without having those dips and the risks of what they call bonking when you when you when you have um uh, sugar dips which affect your your performance. So it's a very, very interesting area of of study, and there's quite a number of our elite athletes who've kind of figured it out for themselves. So uh, one of the studies they're doing at uh, Sports Science at the moment is just a descriptive study, in fact, of how these guys' bodies have changed and how these guys' bodies work, and they're and they're competing at uh, at Springbok level, international <laughs> level, doing exactly the opposite of what of what they've been told to do for many years. So well, how well, how is this so different from what our everyday life? So now we're cutting out mostly carbs, we're eating a lot less in the way of carbohydrates on this diet. Yeah. So just to clarify that. If one goes onto the website, um, originaleating.org, I wanted to say, because some people go to originaleating.com. That's not the one. It's originaleating.org. And you'll follow, you'll follow through. If you go to the diet page, there's a series of four little lectures. So it's very user-friendly. You just watch the little, the little podcast. And what you'll see when you come to um, using the app to set your own diet, you've got a range of carbohydrates that you can set for yourself. You, you do a little self-diagnostic uh, chart to see what your appropriate level may be. But the range, as recommended by Professor Noakes, goes from 20 grams, which is the familiar induction type phase of um, carbohydrate restriction, right the way up to 200 grams. Now, admittedly, he only recommends the very high end of the spectrum for very high-volume athletes. But to put that into the terms of slices of bread, 200 grams is about um, 12 slices of bread. So people are going to say, oh, that's my God, a that's a lot of bread. But <laughs> So the idea is that um, it's a relative restriction. And, and obviously, I would think most people wanting to follow a low-carb diet would be more comfortable in the area of 60 to 80 grams of carbohydrate. But I think it's important to understand that there's huge overlap between what people are, are generally doing at the moment and the very extreme, which might be necessary for people who've got severe um, metabolic syndrome or severe insulin resistance. So original eating as a paradigm is a far more flexible and user-friendly um, tool to use as opposed to some of the, 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 the extreme dogma which might have been out in the past. And what about things like meat or red meat? I know you, with people with cholesterol, always talk mm. cut down on that. What is the situation mm. with something like this? Original eating is not a high-protein diet. 
So as you correctly said initially, it's a high-fat diet. You've only got three components to make up your diet. That's protein, fats, and carbohydrates. So the fact that we would want to reduce carbohydrates or limit carbohydrates below the normal level of intake means you're left with proteins and fats. Now, um, proteins taken in, in large amounts are potentially hazardous. There are all sorts of risks associated. So we've set the, the protein level very much in line with, with common um, dietetic recommendations. So just to, to re-emphasize that point, it's not a high-protein diet. It doesn't mean you can go home and eat all the steaks that you like. <laughs> no. <laughs> so, we, so we make up the difference in, in healthy oils, which is largely olive oil, avocado, and, um, you know, the, the fish oils. There's, there's not much too controversial in that, in that space. So um, it's, it's, it's not this high-protein diet that people often think. Because it's low-carb, it doesn't mean it's high-protein. It's high-fat. It's high-fat. And I think that might scare some people. Yes. Because, I mean, fat has been that bad word. You don't want to mention the word fat. Everybody's sort of cutting everything off the meat and cutting. Yeah. You don't eat the fat and you don't have butter and you don't have the full cream milk and you get rid of all the fat stuff. Now you're telling us we must go off and eat that It's now. quite a scary first move it to is, make, it's, isn't it's, it? It's very scary. Because yes, for years we've been told don't eat that. Yeah. Bad word. Yeah. Yeah. You know. So there are various measures one could, could use. And, and why do we want to increase the fat? It's for a few reasons. Number one, your body handles fat, stores fat um, very easily. Your carbohydrate is a very bulky thing to store. You know, a carbohydrate can't be stored as a crystal. It's got to be stored as a syrup. So most organisms that, that use the energy predominantly from carbohydrate are not moving around. They're trees and plants and stuff. They don't have to move because it's very bulky stuff um, to move around. So it's a very complex system, an intricate system that's required to manage carbohydrate, where fat is far easier for your body to use. So just to quickly make the point, when we overload our carbohydrate system, we get an overproduction of the storage hormone, specifically insulin that's required, and we get stuck in this insulin uh, a bath, so to speak. Our blood becomes an insulin bath. When we reduce the carbohydrate and up the fats, the body doesn't require that insulin anymore, and it's able to switch off that storage switch, literally, and allows the body to mobilize nutrients uh, far more easily. So that's the rationale behind it. Plus, in addition to that, once your body starts to deplete its carbohydrate uh, reserve, the brain and other organs will need an alternative energy source to the carbohydrate, and the body will then start to convert fats to um, metabolites called ketones. Once your body enters a level of ketosis, not only are you sure that it's burning fat, but it's burning fat less efficiently. So with the same amount of energy, you'll burn off more fat. Now, the level of ketosis that people um, develop with this kind of eating is very, very mild. You know, people sometimes hear the, the term ketone and they think ketoacidosis, which is a very serious diabetic condition. Now, in ketoacidosis, your ketone levels will be of the order of 10, 20, very, very high. The kind of levels we're getting on this um, manner of eating are usually about 0.5 to 1.5. So it's a very, very mild level of ketosis, and it's something that one can measure quite easily by getting um, a special glucometer, as, as diabetics would use to measure the blood sugar, but you'll get a special glucometer which can actually measure your ketone levels. So if one's nervous around it, it's quite easy to actually monitor and, and uh, be responsible around it. Well, this seems to be the way of the future. I mean, everybody's, it's one of those things, everybody's talking about it. You know, it's, it's sort of got itself out there. And, and it, I don't think I bump into a person every day where somebody's going to say, have you heard about this? Or do you know about this? Or they know somebody who's on it. And, you know, it's, it's, it's quite amazing. Karin, it seems to have taken off. What's so exciting is we've been approached by, by retail outlets and by um, food producers, etc., who've seen this, as you've just said, as a, it's, not a, it's not a fad, it's a definite trend mm. to the future. And they're saying a lot of people going forward are going to be eating this way. Let us start 
um, accommodating them in the long term, let us start producing the right kinds of foods, let us start manufacturing the right kind of options that these people will want going forward. So I think that's another exciting, if you're talking about the lifestyle of original eating, if you go into the website, not only will you will you hear um, podcast lectures by, by Prof. Noakes, they're the, they're the various eating tools and educational um, uh, 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 apps that we've made. Also, can I just quickly... You've got about 10 seconds. <laughs> a lot of information. People are saying, why Why is this not researched? Why is it not done? If you go into the professional section, which is called the CPD section, you will actually be able to download a lot of that research on which Professor Noakes bases his, his uh, theories, and you can read it firsthand for yourself. Plus, you'll see, obviously, all the consumer products which are being created now, making the lifestyle a lot easier. It's apparently also going to be restaurants that are catering for people that do original eating. But that's unfortunately we've run out of time, Rail. Thank you so much thank for you. joining me this evening. Thank you very much. Rail Coping is a registered dietitian and CEO of Original Eating. And to find out more, you can take a look at the website. It's www.originaleating.org. And that's it for Health Matters for this week. I'm Karen Key. Thanks for joining me. And I'll be back with you again tomorrow evening just after nine with Time to Travel. So join me then. And don't forget, there's now a list of available documents for Health Matters. So if you'd like any of them, take a look at the Facebook page, Health Matters on SAFM, or drop me an email to healthmatters at safm.co.za and I'll send you the list of documents so you can choose what you'd like. Well, Stephen Kirk is up now with some nighttime music. Hello, Stephen.